My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing on the ruins of the great temple of Artemis in Ephesus. This is the only surviving column, and in fact, it's not even an original column, it's a reconstruction, but it shows how massive were the columns. There were 127 columns, each 60 feet tall. The peak of the temple was 110 feet. It was colossal. In fact, it was so huge, it was called one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People came from all over the ancient world to see the construction of this massive temple. In this temple, there were 6,000 priests and priestess who were serving a dark, demonic religion. Every day, eerie music came out of this temple. And inside the temple, sacrifices were being offered to demons and to the god Artemis. And early believers knew they needed to stay away from these places. They weren't afraid of these places, but they understood that in these places, there was a lot of demonic activity. Even the Apostle Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20, where he says to the early believers, stay away from these places. Why? He says, because I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. By hanging out in these places, believers would be subjecting themselves to a foul spiritual influence. So the Apostle Paul said, stay away, don't go near it. Now for me, this brings up the issue of Halloween because right now the whole world's getting ready to celebrate Halloween. When I was a child, we really didn't understand the devil was serious. In fact, I can remember drawing witches and goblins and devils and taping them on the windows of our house. I even donned a costume like a demon. I one year donned a costume like a skeleton, walked up and down the street saying trick or treat because we thought that was funny. That was a long time ago. Today I understand there's nothing funny about the devil. And I want to ask you, is Halloween for you? Are pagan celebrations for you? What should be your response to Halloween? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and this is Wednesday. And today we're going to continue our brand new series called Trick or Treat, A Christian's Response to Halloween. What should be your response to Halloween? That's what we've been seeing this whole week. And I'm offering you my brand new series, which is called Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween. The Bible teaches us in principle what we need to do with Halloween. What does the Bible say? That is what is in this series. Your children may have questions. Maybe your grandchildren have questions. Maybe you have questions about what you should do with Halloween. You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Say amen. I know you believe that. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I need to ask you, can you really dress your kids or your grandkids as the devil or as a witch or as a demon and do it in the name of Jesus? Can you glorify God by dressing your kids to look like something evil? Can you really do that in the name of Jesus and glorify God by doing it? 
If the answer is no, then you should not do it. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, Denise and I made a decision when our boys were young, we could not dress our boys to look like the devil and do it in the name of Jesus. We just couldn't do that. And what a conflicting message this would give to our kids. Here we're teaching our kids that the devil is evil, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but yet once a year, we're going to dress you like little devils. How in the world does that make any logical sense? It does not. We could not do that in the name of Jesus. So Denise and I said, we're finished with that. We just made a decision. We were not going to participate in Halloween. And the Bible is filled with principles about how we need to deal with pagan evil celebrations. And all of it is in this series called Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween, and it comes with a study guide. You'll be so glad you listened to this. Maybe you need to get it for your kids or for your grandchildren or for your adult children who don't know what to do with their kids at the time of Halloween. When you know what the Bible says, it really gives you knowledge so you'll know what to do or what not to do. And right now we're also offering you my book, which is called Dress to Kill. The full title, you don't have to take it anymore because you're dressed to kill. A biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. But hey, if you need prayer, please remember that we're here for you. We would love to hear from you right now. Just call the number on the screen or send us your email. As soon as we hear from you, we're going to put our faith together with you for whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now. If there's no one else available to pray with you, we are available right now. And we want to pray with you. But reach for your Bible. And today we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. And today we're going to see, is Halloween a celebration for you and your family? Hmm. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Let's go to 1 John 5, verse 21. Remember that John had been on the Isle of Patmos. And while he was on the Isle of Patmos, he had a vision of Jesus in which Jesus told him he was upset about flirtation with idolatry that was going on in Ephesus. It was going on in Pergamum. It was going on in Thyatira. Jesus said he was against it and he wanted them to stop this flirtation with idolatry and believers attending pagan celebrations. Jesus called them to total separation. Now, John has that in his mind when he writes 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, where he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And he ends it with, Amen. We saw yesterday that the word keep is the Greek word phuloso, a very well-known word that is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament Septuagint and the New Testament Greek text. But this word keep, the Greek word phuloso means to save. So you could translate it save yourself, to protect. So you could translate it protect yourself. Could be translated preserve. So you could translate preserve yourself. It is the word to guard. So you could translate it, guard yourself, save, protect, preserve, or guard yourself from idols. It depicted also the uninterrupted vigilance that shepherds showed in keeping their flocks. It was used in a military sense to show soldiers who exercised unbroken diligence. It means to guard, protect, secure, shield, 
shield is a very good translation of this word philoso, or to watch over something in order to protect yourself from some outside foul force. So by using this word philoso in the context of idolatry and pagan celebrations, hmm, John was saying you need to shield yourself from these places and from these events. In fact, he says, keep yourself from idols. The word from is a translation of the Greek word apo, which means from, away from. But in this particular case, it implies intentional distance. John was literally saying intentionally put distance between yourself and pagan places and pagan celebrations. Then he ended it with the word amen. And the word amen means amen, so let it be. It was an emphasis marker used to emphasize a statement of great importance. Now let me give you the RIV of this verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, here it is. Little children, I immediately order you to withdraw from idols. Those idols and what they represent are so evil that you need to seriously guard yourself against them and to stay away from them altogether. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space as possible between yourself and idols. They are evil and represent a menace to your life, so you must urgently guard against them. What I'm telling you right now is not open for debate and is not optional. It is an order that I fully expect you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I'm telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. I expect you to explicitly obey my instruction on this issue and to do it now. Wow, to put distance between themselves and pagan places and pagan celebrations. That must have been really hard to do because the world of the first century was filled with pagan temples and pagan celebrations. For example, the entire city of Ephesus was built around the great temple of Artemis. You couldn't get darker or more pagan than that. The city of Smyrna was built around the pagan temple and the pagan worship of Sybil. It was so dark and insidious. The entire city of Pergamum was built around the worship of Zeus and his Klepios. It was so dark and so devious. The city of Thyatira was built around the worship of Apollo. The city of Sardis was built around a great temple of Artemis. It was so dark and so devious. The temple of Dionysus was right in the middle of the city of Philadelphia. They worshiped the god Dionysus. And in the city of Laodicea, they worshiped Zeus. In Athens, they worshiped Athena. In Corinth, they worshiped Aphrodite. These cities were imbibed in pagan places, pagan temples, and pagan celebrations. And yet, the Bible says they were to separate themselves, to intentionally put space between themselves and these places and these pagan celebrations. They were not to involve themselves in any way, shape, or form in these places or events. Now take that into the context of Halloween, where people don't masks and costumes that look like witches and demons and devils. Do you think that is the will of God? Do you think that is something God wants you to involve your children in 
or your grandchildren. You may say, well, it's just cosmetics. It's just costumes. That's exactly what some people were saying in the first century that Jesus was against. The Nicolaitans in Ephesians, in Ephesus, in Pergamon were saying, you know what? What does it hurt to go into a temple and burn a little incense? Why do we have to live so separate? Come on, what does it hurt to go into those temples? In Thyatira, there was a woman by the name of Jezebel who said to the church, come on, guys, we can compromise a little. It really doesn't hurt us. We're saved. What's it going to hurt us if we go into a pagan temple or celebrate a pagan festivity? But Jesus was absolutely against it. And Jesus called them to a life of separation. Living in both worlds was never an option. Jesus called them to total separation. God knew that skirting around the edges of darkness was not the way for his people to flourish in the light. Wow. But when you study idolatry in the Old Testament, it becomes very clear that idolatry and pagan celebrations is spiritually fatal. It is spiritually fatal. Where idolatry is practiced, where pagan celebrations are celebrated, evil spiritual floodgates are opened that allows a deluge of moral filth and depravity to pour in. And when you come to the New Testament, you find exactly the same thing. The New Testament is filled with warnings about idolatry. For example, Acts 15, verse 20, Romans 1, 22 to 32, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 10, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 7, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Colossians 3, 5, 1 Peter 4, 3, Revelation 2, 14, Revelation 9, 20, Revelation 21, 8, Revelation 22, 15, all of these verses give strong prohibitions about believers involving themselves in pagan places or pagan environments. Yes, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. But one chapter later, the same writer who wrote, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world, also said, use your head and keep yourself from these bad spiritual environments. And he even ended it with the word, amen, do what I'm expecting you to do. My friends, use your mind. Stay away from these places. You might say, well, it's just a costume. It's just cosmetics. But that's exactly what some people were saying in the first century. Well, it's just a statue made out of wood or made out of stone. The Apostle Paul said, indeed, the idol itself is nothing but the environment. The environment is infested with demonic activity. And Paul says, by going there inadvertently, you will become engaged in demonic activity, you'll walk out under a wrong spiritual influence. That's what the Bible says. You have to remember that evil is always lurking in the shadows, looking for a way to get in. And my friends, when we dress our kids like goblins and witches and demons, don't you think that may attract demonic activity? Use your mind and think through this very clearly. Our part is to be on guard. Our part is to be vigilant and diligent. As Colossians 3.17 says, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. If you cannot do that in the name of Jesus, then you should not be doing it. Wow. 
But then we come to Acts 15, verses 19 and 20, where the early church leaders are meeting together in the city of Jerusalem, and they're talking about the new Gentile converts, what to do with them. And they come to a conclusion, which we read in Acts 15, verses 19 and 20, and listen to what they say. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but now listen to this, but that we write unto them that they abstain from the pollutions of idols. Abstain from the pollutions of idols. They didn't give them any rules, but they knew that hanging around idolatry and pagan events was spiritually fatal. So they said they have to abstain from the pollutions of idols. The word abstain is a Greek word epeko, and listen to what it means. To abstain from, to withdraw from, to withdraw from, to stay away from, to put distance between oneself and something else, to deliberately or intentionally refrain from something, to put physical distance between oneself and another person, place, or thing. This is very, very intentional. In fact, it says to abstain from the pollution of idols. The word pollution is a Greek word which depicts something that is spiritually defiled, and it makes clear that idolatry has a spiritually polluting and contaminating influence, not because the idol is anything, but because of what it represents. Demonic powers are attracted to those places and to those events. And the Bible says our final decision is that they should abstain, they should put distance between themselves intentionally, deliberately between themselves and the defiling, contaminating influence of idols. They understood that pagan temples were demonic strongholds. And it was imperative that believers stay away from those places. These were spiritually poisonous environments, spiritually poisonous activities. There were evil powers there that could oppress their souls. They had been delivered from those places. They didn't now need to go back into those places or to celebrate those festivities. The Bible clearly says they were to abstain from it, abstain from it. Wow. But remember, in the first century, there were Nicolaitans in Ephesus and Pergamum, a woman in Jezebel and Thyatira, who were literally saying, why not burn a little incense to the gods? Why not participate in the pagan festivities with the community if it will make your life a little better and if you could blend in with your friends and your family and the local population? Wow. Jesus was against it. He rebuked them for it and commanded them to refrain from those places and to refrain from those activities. Jesus hated this compromise. He hated it. Now we're going to go back to 1 John 5, verse 21. We're going to end where we began today. Listen to this. 1 John 5, 21. John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Then he ends with the word amen. This word amen is like an exclamation. It underscores the importance of what he has said. It means, so let it be. Do exactly what I have just instructed you to do. Now, when you read this in the King James Version, it's just a little verse. Little children, keep yourself from idols. But that word keep, the word fulaso, wow, it is so strong. The word from, the word apo, 
means to put intentional distance between yourself and something else. The word amen means this is not up for debate. This is not open for conversation. This is something I fully expect you to obey and to do and to do it right now. And that's why the RIV of this verse is as follows. The RIV of 1 John 5, 21. Little children, I immediately order you to withdraw from idols. Those idols and what they represent are so evil that you need to seriously guard yourself against them and to stay away from them altogether. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space as possible between yourselves and idols. They are evil and represent a menace to your life, so you must urgently guard against them. What I'm telling you right now is not open for debate and is not optional. It is an order that I fully expect you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I'm telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. I expect you to explicitly obey my instructions on this issue and do it now. That is what John said about pagan places and pagan festivities. Now, tomorrow when we come back, I'm going to give you the history of Halloween. I think it's going to be very enlightening. You're going to find out it is altogether pagan. It is altogether evil and dark. And for Christians to dress their kids or to dress their grandchildren like devils, how in the world can they logically think there's anything right about that? We're trying to teach our kids that we have authority over the devil. Why are we dressing them like the devil? Why are we dressing them like demons or like witches who practice witchcraft? These things are forbidden by Scripture, as you will see tomorrow. And it is wrong for us to do these things. That's why Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, then don't do it. And I believe this will give you very clear direction about how you should respond to the subject of Halloween. This series is called Trick or Treat, a Christian response to Halloween. My friend, use your head and don't be afraid of friends or neighbors or family that disagree with you. They're your kids. It is your life. You're the guard of your own life. And God commands you to protect, guard, and shield yourself and your family lest they be exposed to wrong spiritual influences. I'm out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Halloween is widely celebrated in the Western world, but what should the Christian response to Halloween be? Although it may look like fun and games, there is a sinister evil behind Halloween, and Christians need to rethink their participation in such a holiday. There is no need to be condemning of those who celebrate it, but neither should a believer participate in it. In Trick or Treat, a Christian response to Halloween, Rick Renner delves into the subject of the occult and the need to refrain from anything that hints of evil. The devil is no joke. Demons are no joke. Witchcraft is real. Is this really something that Christians should participate in or celebrate? In this five-part series, Rick Renner covers the New Testament attitude toward the devil and demons, the reality of the demonic realm, 
the New Testament mandate to refrain from all occultic activities, the historical beginnings of Halloween. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, you'll be so glad you took time to digest this powerful series. In addition, you can also purchase the book, Dress to Kill. In this book, Rick answers questions about the often misunderstood subject of spiritual warfare. This comprehensive study teaches you how to put on the full armor of God and the importance of each piece of armor in defeating the enemy. This powerful book can be yours for just $22. Don't miss this special offer, the series Trick or Treat, a Christian response to Halloween, and the book Dress to Kill. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. We have an urgent need in our ministry, and today I'm asking you to pray about being a part of meeting that urgent need. We are out of space in our Tulsa office because so many people are reaching out to us for prayer, for support, and for resources. We're even using containers on the backside of our property to store supplies because we have no more space in our building. Our pastoral partner care department is taking calls from morning to evening from people whose lives are being impacted and who are reaching out to us for prayer and support. And in Moscow, our TV studio has become too small because we're now producing five to seven TV programs every day. We need a new ministry home in Tulsa, and we need a new studio in Moscow. Altogether, it comes to about 50,000 square feet, which comes to about $120 a square foot for everything, including the buildings, the furniture, the TV equipment, absolutely everything that we need. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus gave us the command, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We believe in the Great Commission and we're doing our part to obey it. But we need more space so we can more effectively minister to the people that God is bringing to us. And I'm asking you today about becoming a part of the giving team to meet this urgent need in our ministry to purchase a new ministry home in Tulsa and to construct a new TV studio in Moscow and together we can do this. Would you please ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you to do and I'm waiting to hear from you. You know, before I close today, I want to tell you that if you need prayer, we're here for you and we want to pray for you. You can call the number on the screen or you can send us an email as soon as the phone rings or as soon as your email shows up in our inbox. We're going to really put our faith together with you for whatever it is you're dealing with or facing in your life. And it would be our privilege to confidentially pray with you. And we're offering you a series which is called Trick or Treat. A Christian Response to Halloween. It's five parts. It comes in multiple formats with a marvelous study guide. We're also offering you my book, which is called Dress to Kill. The back of it says a classic on spiritual warfare. It really is a classic. It's all over the world in millions of homes. And my friend, if you don't have your copy, order your copy today. This is about how you can use spiritual weaponry to keep the devil under your feet. That's where he belongs. But I want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now for every parent and every grandparent who's making decisions about Halloween, what they should do with their children. Give them wisdom. 
Lord, you gave them those kids, you gave them those grandchildren, and you will give them wisdom on how to deal with them. Lord, if they can't dress their kids like devils in the name of Jesus, they shouldn't do it. Give them the courage to do what is right and to obey the scripture. We thank you for this, Father. In the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I've had such a good time with you. On Monday, we saw the devil's not funny. Yesterday, we saw how the early Christians dealt with Halloween. Today, we've seen what you should do with Halloween. I think the Bible in principle gives us very clear answers. But we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.